We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. <laughs> Alright, we're recording officially now, so no more heated gamer moments, you two. Um, let, let's bring down the hate speech, just, no the, just a notch. Absolutely no promises. <laughs> <laughs> I have been told a lot that when I say that people are having heated gamer moments, uh, because a lot of the people I have on these shows are white, that people will sometimes take that seriously. Um, so I do want to say oh. that I don't let anyone on any of our shows who have had or will have a heated gamer moment. I make that a specific vibe check before I let anyone only... do anything on this network. The only heated gamer moments I've ever had is when I'm playing, like, Mario Party. But I think that's a pretty universal experience where you just lose friendships. Yes, but the heated gamer moments specifically are when people say, uh, like, racial slurs and then just say, but I was just playing Warzone, so it doesn't oh, count. Oh, God, no. That's what I, that's the joke that, that I was saying about that. That, yeah. Yeah, that, no, that, that in any context is not okay. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing is those people go, oh, it was a heated gamer moment. I'm like, well, if you were saying it anyways uh and it comes out in a heated moment that means you say it other times that's why yeah, you have said heated gamer when moment. i have that means I, it, that's part of your vocabulary and exactly. that's bad exactly like but when you, i get mad at my friends when i'm playing a game i just call them human pieces of flaming garbage sure which sure. they are like the rest of us like i don't call them slurs like because no why would you do that I, I've never understood in it. Like, I have a lot of, like, friends these days that are trying to get back into video games. They're like, hey, I just bought, like, a Series X or um, mm -hmm. I picked up a PS5 finally. Like, what should I play? And I'm like, I give them names. So I say, like, turn the mic off. Turn turn all audio off because yeah. a 14-year-old is going to call you an expletive. Um, and not mm -hmm. one that you're used to hearing for yourself, I guarantee it. At least not in your day-to-day. Hmm. I, I was never I can't play online games for that very reason like I listened to my brother play online games and just like he he never really said anything bad but I heard like through his like because he had the headphone volume up really high like I heard a lot of things that I never wanted to hear and I'm like okay so I'm never playing any of these games ever is what I'm hearing because they were yeah they were sexist they were racist they were literally everything you could they were every I'm kind like, of is that they fun. could be and the games yeah. that it's happening they're so young and when it's happening um it's it's just so upsetting so my I still play tons of online games I just don't interact with strangers anymore um which stinks for a certain level because like it was fun you know like making friends or or hopping online to like do some sort of team strategy in whatever game now I just don't do it if I'm not playing with a buddy of mine that has a mic exactly. as well like i just don't talk to people so i play a lot of quiet large multiplayer yeah. games i would rather do the whole chat thing than i would a voice over thing yeah. because yeah. hearing people's voices is too real for games i'm sorry if i don't know you i don't want to hear your voice please stay away <laughs> You know, it's just kind of. Even kinda, if I do know you, I don't wanna. Exactly, it's just kind of nerve wracking these days. Um, real quick, before we go too much further, I'm gonna intro everybody, but I do have some more to say yeah. on this. So this is gonna be an extra special, serious episode. If you're here for fun, <laughs> As get the fuck out. But really, we're still gonna have fun. But we are gonna talk about some serious shit today. Um, but mm -hmm. my name is Terry Smith. This is the Cave Trolls. I am your host with the least. I'm like the butter, uh, butter sided bread that always falls butter side down. That's that's Ooh. kind of my shtick. Um, with me today, I have uh, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You get it. Um, I have the Daenerys to my Hodor in so much that we're on the same show, but we never really interact. Sharday. Hello. Yes. I never see you ever in my <laughs> life. I'm also cinnamon bread, which is obviously the best bread for making anything except sandwiches. <laughs> cinnamon sugar bread or just cinnamon? Cinnamon sugar. Okay. Just making sure. I'm like, I don't know. You were in Europe for a while. I, you know, you just... <laughs> They do things they differently across the pond, as they say, <laughs> over in um, uh, Easteros. Yeah, in Easteros, which, which is uh, beyond Westeros. Yeah, beyond it's Westeros. what's Easteros. west of Westeros? It's Easteros. Uh, <laughs> and the other half of the feminist fact checkers. I don't know what kind of bread you are, Lissa. You can tell me. <laughs> Um, so I, if, if there's one thing you need to know about me, I am a bread fanatic, so I am having trouble choosing, which is oh. shocking to no one. Uh, okay, it's either banana bread or rye bread. Those are two good choices. I don't want to be tough and chewy, so I guess I'll go with banana bread. What about the non-bread as classified by the Irish government, the stuff you get from Subway? Because I'm a fan of that stuff. Ooh, non. That's super white. No, 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 not not <laughs> non bread. It, not not non bread. Like the the normal bread that you'd get, like a like a ham and turkey on white. In uh -huh. Ireland, it cannot be classified as bread because of the lack of nutrients in it. It's mostly sugar. Yeah, I don't. I don't, so I don't eat white bread. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, and that's mostly what you. I don't think you. I mean, yes, you can get wheat bread from Subway, but it's not really wheat bread. It's just like you can get Italian urban cheese. But that's just white bread with cheese on it. <laughs> It's better. <laughs> sure, sure, but it's still their white bread. Um, no, it's Italian. <laughs> when I worked there, it was really depressing when I was like, oh, how do I make the Italian bread? And they're like, you take the white bread and you toss the cheese on it. And I was like, oh, good to know. Thanks, coach. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. Jardin has been lied to. Dude, that's most stuff at I've Subway. You're not eating fresh. And listen, I'm not talking shit. I love Subway. And even though I saw how the sausage was made, I will still eat it all the time. However, you are not eating fresh. No, absolutely. <laughs> Anybody who thinks they're eating fresh at Subway, like, you you need some disillusionment. <laughs> I hadn't like, seen, like, any McDonald's-level stuff of, you know, like, like water-based eggs or anything like that until they came out with the pulled pork. Subway wasn't subway at one point the top fast food um, yeah chain in the world yeah, yeah. like the most yeah. used because it is mm -hmm. fast food do you There's know why no that fan. is it actually has nothing to do with the food really what? it's one of the cheapest uh fast food restaurants to franchise when it comes to oh. what you need in the bank to qualify and what yeah. it costs just to get the licensing fees it's extremely cheap to open a subway by comparison to other fast food restaurants Interesting. Interesting. Makes sense, though. Mm. Yeah. These are like the stupid things that live in my brain as like an accountant. <laughs> it's like that, and I know a lot of Spider-Man facts. And then people come at me, they're like, yeah, but what happened in history in this year? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I can tell you um, how much you need in the bank to buy a subway. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the superior knowledge in this day and age. But I think it's um I think it's like compensating because there's so much in my brain that's just useless, like uh, Power Ranger facts and uh, like I mentioned Spider-Man. I know a lot about Spider-Man history. We all have that. I am a walking Harry Potter encyclopedia. Like, right. We all got it. And then it's like fine. to compensate, I'm like maybe I should get an adult thing so I learned a lot about accounting. <laughs> <laughs> 
do I even have an adult thing? I know about rhetoric, but that's like a pompous thing. That's not an adult. It's both. Thing. It's both. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Both are good. Yeah. <laughs> I am pompous and I am an adult. Thank yeah. You that you're, you're, a pompous you're, adult thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's a combination of the two. It, it's, it's important to be better than other people as well as correct in the way that you speak and write. Yeah, so you're combining both the both uh both of two worlds. You are the pompous asshole adult. <laughs> it's true. Uh-huh. And so everybody like, needs that one you, pretentious friend. You're you're the worst of it all. <laughs> well, well, okay, listen, listen. <laughs> I feel like you're really attacked right now. We're attacked this is like I said earlier, you're feeling attacked because we're attacking. Like I don't why are you getting confused yeah, those were, about those this? Those were shots. Those were shots. Shots fired were fired. Listen, I don't know how to fire a gun. Yeah, we need the morning show. The bow, bow, bow. Like, with the shots fired. Like, we need the air horns and the shots. Like, we're on I mean, hey, there are a bunch of free sound websites. We could get one. All right, I'll get on that. I'll make sure we have a soundboard prepared. I'm sure the fans of this show will love that. Um, Absolutely. Let us know in the comments or on the uh, interwebs. Yeah, yeah, email us. Email us about that. Uh, Can'tbekilledcreations at gmail.com. Let corporate know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let corporate know how we're doing. <laughs> it's like those those tags you see on the backs of trucks. It's like, how am I driving? Like, how are we podcasting? How am I driving? We need poorly. One of those. <laughs> poorly is the thing. Uh, Always poorly. Well, anyways, we have things to talk about today. So we have some new games coming out from Matt Mercer and some other people over at Critical Role. We have board games. We have new expansions to Cyberpunk Red. And the topic of the show today, we're going to be talking about D&D growth and the growing pains that come with having this large of a mainstream, I guess you would call it mainstream, audience now. But first, Mm -hmm. let's talk about the news Charday, have you ever played Cyberpunk or Cyberpunk Red? No, I have not. Why do you hate us? <laughs> Cyberpunk is not really my vibe, but I appreciate its existence. <laughs> what about you, Lisa? Do you care at all about Cyberpunk? <laughs> uh, I have not played it. I have watched a stranger I met on the internet through a random game through chatting with a random stranger on the internet. I have watched him play, and I vaguely remember, I think he played with a dildo as a sword or a gun or something. Oh, so we're talking, yeah, we're talking about the video game. Yeah, no, sure. There's a dildo issue, I would say. What? Uh, So when it first came, when we're talking about, we're going to shift gears real quick to the video game real quick so I can tell you this anecdote. Um, When Cyberpunk first came out for reviewers before the day one patch happened, um, there was a slight issue with the drop rate of several items that all happened to be um, sex toys. And when what? I say there was a slight issue, I mean they were dropping, I would say, 89, 90% of the time instead of any other item. Wow. You so you'd headshot a cyber ninja, and punch. instead of that katana dropping, it was like six or seven dildos. That is amazing. <laughs> it really is. So right? wait, so that means that dildos were just in the game. Oh, you know, dildos oh, are yeah. still in the game. Yeah. But they were a problem for a small amount of time. Wow. <laughs> now they're just there. Now it's just a normal accessory. Like it happens. Games have dildos because people have dildos. People are in games. Vis-a-vis. Perfect. People have dildos in games. Um, sure. But like it was an issue for oh, a while. logic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's Cartesian logic, so it's not, it's it's flawed, but it's still there. 
Um, <laughs> we let's get into my philosophy major, shall we? Uh, um, that was a bad freshman year. Anyways, so Cyberpunk Red came out just a little bit before uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and it was kind of a reboot to the tabletop RPG version of Cyberpunk, which was known for being super 80s punk aesthetic and just killing basically all of your PCs. Like, that was a game that was on hard mode. It was like the Dark Souls of mm -hmm. RPGs. Like, everyone's going to die, but you're going to have fun doing it. Um, and they rebooted it with, like, a quick start that did pretty well, which funded the rest of it, and the hype around the the video game helped sell some copies and then it kind of died out. Um, it hit some success and it was middling. I would say critically, I played a couple of campaigns in it. It was fun. Um, it didn't shake up everything, but it was a cool reboot to a cyberpunk, uh, RPG and to get new people in. I think it was a good way to go similar to like five E for D and D. Um, but one of the issues is there wasn't a lot of support for it. We weren't getting source books. Uh, you don't really have a bestiary that you're going to pop out with cyberpunk. So when it came to additional content, if you weren't someone who homebrews a lot of stuff, there wasn't a lot there. Um, but they were starting to pick up the pace and now they're finally saying like one of the issues that people had with not only was there a lack of content, the content that you did get was not on parody with 2077, which is what a lot of people were into at the time flaws of that game aside people wanted stuff that coincided with the video game but cyberpunk red takes place decades before cyberpunk 2077 anyways okay. i had to take a breath there um because <laughs> i just rambled about cyberpunk for a minute straight without breathing um now they're announcing that they're going to soon put out 2077 source books as soon as the timeline matches up because of arbitrary things that are in motion sure okay sounds uh, exciting yeah it's exciting if you're a fan of the video game and you like that world and where it currently stands finally working mm -hmm. up to that point and having a trajectory right um star wars force of destiny and those books did a really good job when fantasy flight first took over they're like hey we, we got the license we're gonna do a star wars rpg the first book is gonna be about you being this like lowly um smuggler type and you're gonna work your way up and then the second book was like okay you were a smuggler now you can work your way up to being part of the rebellion or the empire and like joining an army and having better ships and powers and then the third book was hey if you wanted to now you can make your way to be a sith or a jedi so it kind of gave you a trajectory for your campaign if you wanted to work your way through mm. those books that way. You could start at any of them, but you had somewhere to go, which helps a lot of players mm. who don't know a lot about campaign planning and just want to work their way through books like like people do with the D&D &D adventures. Cyberpunk had no yeah. such idea. So them finally going, hey, you can work your way through this. I think we're going to see a lot of people go back to that game because it fell off. If you didn't want to specifically be a cyber ninja on uh, you know, a crotch rocket with uh you know gorilla arms then you weren't playing cyberpunk because once you get past that that like th the initial jolt of excitement of going oh hey i can hack this thing you kind of dipped out gotcha anyway Jeez. since you two have no interest in this that's where i'll leave it <laughs> do you have any comments know. before we go to the next one go ahead i just want to know will there be dildos I, I don't I don't see any stats for dildos, but I can say that that would what? be 
Um, that would be an improvised weapon similar to what uh, the parlance sure. of five E. So I could probably stat that out as a knife or maybe a club would probably be more appropriate. Probably a club, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, stats are a little bit weird when it comes to weaponry. Like you're um, proficient in like a uh, a type of weapon. And that kind of like the stats are kind of the same across the board for them. So I could probably build a dildo as a club if we were to play Cyberpunk Red and you would like to equip a dildo. So if that comes up, don't worry, I'm prepared. So if Bliss ever plays a game of Cyberpunk, that's what we know her weapon is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. The, the biggest critique I had in the co couple of campaigns I played in was that no matter what speed you're traveling in a vehicle, whatever you hit, you do 6d6 damage, I believe. Or was it 3d6? It was like the same amount of d6s no matter what speed or vehicle you're in. If a moving vehicle hits an object, it does that set amount of damage. So if you're going 4 miles an hour and you kind of bump into a dude, he takes the same <laughs> amount of damage as if you hit him going 120. Wow. And if they survive, they automatically get to roll to be on top of the vehicle. So it just yeah. automatically turns into Fast and Furious. <laughs> Which I is mean, kind of hey, cool when you, you think about it. Yeah. It, yeah. But it was a little bit frustrating for my players because they kind of backed into a person. I said they take this much damage. And then they rammed a person. And then that person survived and was on top of the vehicle. They were like, how? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just following the rules. <laughs> and I normally don't. Normally I would change something like that. But it was my first time running Cyberpunk Red. So. Right. <laughs> That you don't person, feel as comfortable, yeah. like, yeah, changing rules when you first start playing, like, a whole new system. Exactly. So they got hit going, like, 200 miles per hour and were on top of the vehicle. <laughs> what? 200? I, they were going okay. some ridiculous thing. They had stolen, like, a, a, like a, like a supercar that was all cybernetic mm -hmm. and experimental. Uh-huh. Mm. And that person survived. Anyways. Uh <laughs> <It's> so sad. <laughs> It was so a fun sad game. they survived. Yeah, yeah, they should have should have been splattered. Um, next up in the news, um, we have more Critical Role stuff to talk about later on in the show. But first off, Critical Role um, Studios they reveal details about a new board game and an RPG. This comes from uh, Dicebreaker from Alex Meehan. I was reading the article before the show, and they announced uh, they've been working on it for a while, and it changed shapes a couple of times. They were working on like an asymmetrical multiplayer card game. Um, for a while and they mm -hmm. finally have announced the name it's going to be guardians of matrimonia Aww. and it's all about like D, D wedding planners basically shut what? up that's adorable yeah and you have different decks of cards and you would have different classes so like you can be the alchemist but um but it's really the alchemist and you're like the bartender for the <laughs> for the party Aww. <laughs> Aww. So cute. I like it's so heartwarming because I started reading it. I'm like, I don't really care that I'm reading more and more. I'm like, I need to play this fucking game. This sounds rad. It's so pure. Uh, but so I, I love like seeing more D D stuff being translated to other games. Uh the D D yeah. board games were a lot of my friends' intros into D D and they really dug it. Um so it's just cool to see something like that building off of uh D D as a whole. And because like I think a board game like that sometimes can work better than trying to pitch somebody on a game. We're like, okay, this is D&D, &D, but we're all florists. You know, like, people might not be <laughs> as into that. I would play that game, but I know a lot of people I might I would play not. the crap out of that. I would play the crap out of that, yeah. Do we want to do uh, a wedding planning D&D &D one shot? Because I'm, I'm down now. Absolutely. I yeah. am absolutely down, yes. Or should we just buy <laughs> a copy of Guardians of Matrimonia? Both. 
good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should compare and contrast. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, but this is coming from Darrington Press, which is uh, that was started by some of the Critical Role people. Not all of them. It's not owned by Critical Role or anything like that. People use it synonymously, but I believe it's a different entity uh, specifically. Um, I don't know. Do you two know anything about Darrington Press? I know a bit about it. I know I I have no idea if it's under like the uh, entire Critical Role umbrella, but I do know they they have it with Ivan Van Norman, I think, who's yep, a, yep. a Geek and Sundry alum. Yep. And they have published Ukatoa. Yes, Ukatoa was uh, their other board game, right? Yeah, and that that was based off of one of the warlock patrons of their second campaign. Yes. Um and their second book, Taldori Reborn, like their second big book, like yeah, their second like campaign setting, right? Yeah. yeah, they published under Darrington Press, which I have. I have the Taldori Reborn, and that's so still I have one that's five E, right? Yeah, it's five E compatible. It's a really great book. I'm starting to. I just um, I'm dipping into occasionally a Ravenloft campaign. Yeah. Uh, now because I have no self control, and um, I am trying out their Blood Wizard. Blood Magic Wizard, which is in Taldori Reborn, because just the aesthetic sounded so cool. And it fits and it'll so perfectly. Absolutely, it, it's goth as hell. So I'm just like, yeah, well, obviously, I got to play a Blood Wizard if you're going to be doing Ravenloft. They also have Blood Clerics in there. They have a lot of cool stuff. Do recommend looking at Taldori Reborn if you ever get a chance. It is a lot of really cool new classes and stuff, as well as like cool world building stuff if you're into the critical role world. But I'm super excited to start playing the classes. I, I'm definitely I haven't pick played Ukatoa yet or anything. I was gonna I try to combine that with that uh that Kickstarter that we talked about last uh l- last episode. Um oh, the, that's yeah. all Penny Dreadful. But you combine that yeah. with a Blood Wizard, I think we got something cool. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Blood Wizard and Blood Cleric. I have Italy. Ukatoa on my shelf unopened. Uh, <laughs> still in the plastic. I would love to I would love to play it or try to play it because I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it was bought for me as a gift. I had mentioned uh, offhandedly to a friend of mine who doesn't play board games, but they know what Critical <laughs> Role is. And so it was like, just like, it's simple. They're like, oh, Terry's a nerd, uh, Critical Role, board games. And that's how I <laughs> came to Happy have Happy birthday. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I'd be down to try that. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention was they were also making Syndicult, which is going to be their first standalone tabletop RPG. G. oh cool i didn't know that yeah and uh this is coming right from the darrington press website syndicult is an original modern magic role-playing game designed by matthew mercer in which mob families jealously guard secrets and battle it out for power on the city streets featuring an elegant storytelling <laughs> dice mechanic syndicult is a low magic world where all bets are off interesting yeah i don't know too like, much about it i i know that they were uh testing it at, at some recent con stuff but it was it was one of those online cons um uh-huh. so like people have played it and it seems like there's some buzz around it obviously anything run critical role has buzz good or bad um right. so like, like they're just that's what happens when you're as big as they are um but i love it and it sounds a lot like a more personal version of Blades in the Dark, if you've heard of that tabletop RPG. I have not, no. Blades in the Dark no, is like way. setting up an Ocean's Eleven campaign. 
Um, oh, okay. But instead of playing as Danny Ocean and the crew, you play as the whole crew kind of as a team and you kind of take turns doing plans and mission aspects and like you build a a thieves guild as you go um it's a really really fun rpg especially like if you want drinks and play around the table and you have some people that are a little bit more nervous about role playing Mm -hmm. it's it's really good for that um highly recommend that uh and you can listen to some people play it over on the one shot network if you want to check that out uh but syndicult sounds like a little bit more personal version of that where you actually play your character and i'd be totally down to check that out i'm really interested in the dice mechanic because that's something as much as i have some critiques of matthew mercer's uh dming because it's for like an audience and not just for the players uh which I, i think he's a great dm i just think sometimes i see stuff i'm like oh i wouldn't want to play that way um but Mm -hmm. i love a lot of the extra mechanics he comes up with um yeah and a lot of the dice mechanics that he's done i've used a lot of his mini games and recently you sent me one that we were going to use for our home campaign when it comes to resurrection just as like a homebrew rule to kind of combine with my own yeah yeah kind of please don't roll a d20 to resurrect me because (laughs) dice don't like me (laughs) (laughs) I will I will be permanently dead. <laughs> I, I've never done just like one D20 roll. Um, your, when your character died, it was like lots of damage was the thing. I'm like, okay, so you got to die this way. Yeah. And it was epic and cool and it fit the story. So I let it, it was happen. Really cool. um, yeah, it was really cool. Thank you. But um, thank you for making it cool. <laughs> um, but when it well, comes yeah. to a lot of those extra mechanics that, that Mercer throws in, I think they're really, really neat and work on theme and are fun for the players and don't just mm-hmm. feel like you're rolling a bunch of dice. And so I'd be excited to see what he does with the whole game system. Do you think you're going to check out Syndicult? I'd be definitely interested in it because, like you said, like, I'm super – I use his resurrection mechanics in my game and a lot of his um, rules from both of his Tal'Dorei books in-game because it – I love role-playing in tabletop role-playing games. Like, that's my sweet spot. So, like, anything that – harnesses that and encourages people to do that any mechanic specifically that does that i'm more than willing to try and if this new system has even like an iota of that i'm intrigued yeah and it definitely seems like it it. plus any system that that kind of favors that uh um more seedy underbelly as the main setting because dnd is great for everything right it's a great generalist game you can play any kind of game in it but having something that's the focus of that that's partly we mentioned cyberpunk red earlier in the show that's partly why it's so much fun to play in that because that's like a heisty game you're always Mm -hmm. dealing with like the the underbelly of the cities i could see this kind of fitting into uh my my table as the one we go to when we're like hey let's go play like a heist campaign yeah Lissa, when it comes to your experience, I know it's mostly D&D. Does Syndicult or any of the other stuff that we've talked about today, does that make you want to try a new game past just, oh, I'll try it? I mean, I'm always willing to try new things, and I do like board games in general. So I would be willing to try most things as long as it's, you know a fun time for everyone <laughs> which i believe i believe most games are made to be fun i think that that's like the general definition of games <laughs> sure um, but, but do uh, any of the specific mechanics and stuff that we've talked about with syndicate sound interesting no, like, it, it does sound interesting like i don't i don't know specifically about the mechanics but like i do i did enjoy playing we tried uh playing call of cthulhu Right. With Chardet. 
And that was super interesting because I've only really played D&D 5e. Okay. So to try out different things, I'm kind of one of those people who wants to try out a whole bunch of things and then be like, ooh, this is super interesting. Like, I won't <laughs> say no to most things. Unless it's, like, super sexist or, like, I don't know, something. <laughs> I something, think that's fair. Something very shady as fuck. Barring the red then flags, then right? No. Yeah. Barring red flags, I will try most things. Uh, I try to play any RPG that I'm, I, like, I, anything that you throw at me that can have, a, like, a good dice mechanic. Because I love hodgepodging them together, usually for a and d game. Uh, like, mm. for a lot of my... Um, initiatives i i roll similar to shadow run if you've heard of that that's like D meets cyberpunk like your orcs can have cybernetic arms and you can fly Ooh. on a either like a robotic dragon or like a dodge charger like it's a it's like blade runner if there were orcs uh but anyways their initiative mechanic uh allows like say if you had super speed like the flash you just you get multiple turns throughout um and that's something that i introduce when it comes to speed so people feel a little bit more um different than the rest of the party so if everyone rolls a 16 okay well who has the highest yeah. decks that person goes first instead we can pass it around the table and no one knows when their turn's going to come up necessarily and it mm. it plays into what Charday likes and that's she plays at my table so it makes sense which is like the rp aspect so i just i love like taking whatever cool mechanics i can from whatever game and throwing it in even if it's not specifically from that game. So Syndicult might have yeah. some, something that's really dope, and I'm just going to steal it. I'm not going to play Syndicult, but I'll, it'll be introduced at my <laughs> D&D game. Yeah. Like, I mean, at your table, you use tarot cards, which is fascinating <laughs> and terrifying because every time you ask somebody to play a card, nobody wants to be to blame for what's happening. I love <laughs> so it because... everybody's like, I don't want to do it. Exactly. I, I love it because <laughs> even if I don't think that the card is super applicable to the situation, because of the... the really the idea behind tarot it's like when you go to get your palms read right like the person yeah. will lead you into whatever and you'll go oh my god that's me um that same mentality starts to develop from the cards so no matter what card mm -hmm. pulls up everybody gasps and they're like oh shit what does that mean and then i just yep. love hearing what everyone <laughs> thinks means and then they look at me they're like what do you think it means and i'm like whatever the coolest thing was said it means that we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do that thing you know <laughs> I mean, there's, there's other, I have interpretations and I have a few plans for certain cards, uh, but a lot, it's just really cool. And it adds that ownership over what happened or what might happen to the party. And it makes it feel that much more special. And I got that from a game called, uh, how was it called dark sun? I can't remember invisible sun. It's called invisible sun and they have their own deck of tarot cards. It's part of the main mechanic of that game. And I played that. I was like, this is fucking awesome. What if I introduce this into my actual D and D game? and then i i uh people liked it so much i played in another game and everybody brought their own tarot cards oh. um oh, so cool. they they can pull from the general one or their own and it's just so much chaos it takes 15 hours to play but it's a good time i mean it sounds great but i remember when you first brought out the tarot cards we were all just like oh this is so fun like i can't wait and now we're all terrified <laughs> of the whole deck and nobody wants to be responsible for any pain yeah when you pull that cards they're like oh that's the sixth of death or whatever and everyone's yeah. like well shit what does that death, mean? and everybody's yeah. like fuck <laughs> uh also i guess like it's not just those curse of strahd uh also uses tarot cards oh, which true. is probably the first time i experienced it but it, they did it better mm -hmm. in invisible sun um <laughs> anyways though that's what i have for news is there anything that you two have before we move on to the main topic news nah 
Sorry if I sound I super so. like corporate today, uh, but we have like this like serious topic. I, I want to make sure we get there instead of just ra- letting yeah. me ramble about cyberpunk for an hour and a half. Um, so if it sounds less organic, it's because it is. Because it is. Wow. 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 Way to lift up the curtain and reveal Oz. There, there's no man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> there's no man behind the that's curtain. probably a really good way to describe me though is like a magician who is feigned being a wizard i think that's uh that's mostly <laughs> what i do on my day to day just being a fake wizard yeah yeah i i think that that's how my children would describe it <laughs> perfect so i I'll think we have to interview your children in the next episode <laughs> that fake wizard dad just be prepared for my children to spill like way too serious of beans and act like it's normal like uh my my son for uh they they have uh instead of like 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 bring your father to work or to school day or anything like that they had donuts with dudes is what it was called um to be a little bit more inclusive because everyone's dude is different right it's not just your dad that's like that's super cool and um my son filled out this thing that says all about my dude says my dude's name is terry he is 10 years old it is really bigger than my mom my (laughs) my dude's job is to keep me safe and he didn't like his job before so he started writing comics (laughs) my full life story just so real right there my dude loves it when i play at home he likes to eat tacos he likes to drink coffee my dude likes to play with me, and my favorite thing to do with my dude is playing. Love his scribble that meant Ben at the time. Oh, That's adorable. It is so adorable. But, yeah, that's the kind of serious talk you get from my son. Uh, yeah, like he, he will tell you. I have to interview him. Okay, I'll make it happen. He'll talk all day. He's, he's a cool dude. Um, there's a reason why I love playing with him. Um, and drinking coffee. <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, though, on to the serious topic, and that is D&D Growing Pains. As a community, D&D has been big for a long time, especially within nerdy communities. But I would say D&D is pretty mainstream. You could ask most anybody, and they know what Dungeons & Dragons is now. Um, and on a bigger scale than it ever has been, people actually playing D&D. And that is part and parcel with the growth of Critical Role. That's the biggest thing in D&D. I don't think that's a controversial statement. I think Critical Role being as big and entertaining and has and having as large of a community as it has is the reason D&D is as big as it is right now. And with that comes a lot of drama and infighting and weird community discourse. So mm-hmm. on that topic... Um, this came up because there was kind of a new drama recently, uh, mostly anecdotal evidence about how Critical Role treats their artists. And one artist left the company and just asked her community to stop asking her about it, asking them about it. I actually don't know their their pronouns. Um, but they, they were like, hey, please just stop messaging me. I want to cut ties. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't like how they do business. They're very nice people. But I didn't like the situation I was in business-wise. And it was a pretty generic and straightforward statement for the most part. And But it blew up as discourse on the internet does. And there's different factions that have risen up about people saying, boycott Critical Role or you're being silly, buy everything Critical Role. And uh, the fiends that are, you know, internet trolls have also taken hold. So I just wanted to kind of talk about 
what this means for D&D, not the specific drama, but the fact that it's big enough to have multiple dramas per year um, Mm -hmm. is something that's kind of new to me for something that I like. Like, for instance, one of my favorite things in the world is Digimon. Digimon is not such a large community (laughs) that I get multiple creators and companies fighting over events right that's not something that happens and dnd used to not be like that um it was it had some shittier aspects but there was no drama around it that just was the truth behind it right dnd was racist dnd was sexist and that was just dnd there was no conversation to be had because there were a, a lot of people playing it to have that conversation um and now it is so big that we have this drama happening earlier in the year another drama involving critical role with freckled hobo and her attempting to ransom a guest spot on that show um and a million other things also involving uh artists and she was specifically stealing art and character designs and a lot of other things um so i'm gonna stop talking now i would love to hear from you too on just the fact that DD is this fucking big that we have this much drama in a year uh what it's, the fuck yeah there yeah it's a lot and it's i want to say also it's not just critical role that has all this drama like i've been on i've been running the slovenly trolls twitter for like over a year now mm-hmm. and it's not just critical role it's basically anywhere in the D or tabletop role playing community they have drama sure. they just do they're just the biggest ones right they yeah critical role i think gets the most traction they get um articles written up about it they get the most engagement and it's definitely the most present and it's easiest to find. But if you stay on certain parts of Twitter long enough, at least I'm speaking from a Twitter perspective. I don't really know about other places on the internet, but if you stay on certain places on Twitter long enough, you see a lot of different similar dramas, but not like they're not like similar and that the same things keep happening. It's Mm -hmm. just like the same amount of, uproar and engagement like every time something negative comes out there's always a bunch of engagement mostly from people trying to figure out what's going on because usually people are very vague on twitter for good reason i don't think you should call anybody out unless they've done something so reprehensibly awful that they really do need to be held accountable and even that it's such a gray area yeah it's not cut and dry right it's not it it is a gray area like like specifically when i brought up this topic and i was like hey should we talk about this on the show you you spoke up specifically and we're like hey but also we don't need to call anybody out because this is pretty anecdotal right um like we don't know exactly what happened and i mean i completely agreed and lissa had the really good idea let's talk about DD growing pains in general because we don't know because Mm -hmm. people are being vague because it's not yeah. cut and dry. It wasn't like this person hit me with a car. <laughs> Stop mm-hmm. buying this product. It was, hey, some some stuff was fucked up. Some stuff was great. And I just don't want to hear about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then if certain people are called out, um, sometimes the things they did are vague. Like there's always something vague about it to the point where it gets enough engagement that it usually ends up across at least my timeline. I don't right. know about other people who just casually follow stuff. But yeah, the whole, com- I think the D&D community, because it's so mainstream now, um, for lack of a better term, just more people know about it and more people are engaged with it. The D&D and tabletop role playing community is so large or larger than it used to be that this discourse and this like, I don't want to say infighting is inevitable, but infighting is inevitable. <laughs> no, I think it is in any, in any fandom, but also in any community. Yeah, I was about right? to say any fandom ever is going to have people disagreeing from Mm -hmm. every point of view because 
the more people you have, the more different points of view you, you will have, the more different perspectives they will be bringing in, which, you know, it's good to have perspectives to see things, you know, from other people's perspectives, but you're on the internet, right? And you have a limited amount of, say, characters to build your opinion or say your pers your point of view. So anything on the internet is going to be messy. Let's just stick to that fact. Like having a an argument or like a constructive argument with anyone on the internet is very difficult because you have people who are very opinionated, you have people who come in and troll, you have people who come in and they attack you straight on, people who don't consider other people's point of view like it's 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 just messy the internet is messy <laughs> and fandoms are messy to begin with so it it's gonna be messy like i i don't know what to tell you fandoms and the internet are gonna be messy always forever i don't know how you fix that because yeah there is no way to fix it it's the human human thing and it's the internet so it's yeah. true. It's it's weird for me. Uh, I I've been playing D and D since I was sixteen, um, and back then, like uh, I started right around three point five uh, on its transition to fourth edition. You couldn't even get it in like a bookstore, let alone like having people playing it online um, and talking about it and having fans infighting about it. There was already fandom that was fighting over it. Like, oh, I don't want to switch to fourth edition. I like 3.5 and a whole company sprang up out of that in, in Pathfinder, right? Paizo came out of the fact that people didn't want transition um, and you'd have people fighting over classes and races. Um, but I think it's the scale that I find most fascinating yeah. at this point is it, you know, like, like critical role is a company in and of itself. And the stuff that the, the dramas that they're embroiled in, just like you mentioned, they're not the only ones, but the fact that there are whole companies that are embroiled in dramas and, and crazy conspiracies that have popped up over these things around a game that, I couldn't even explain to my mother what I was doing, right? Like, she was like, what do you mean? Is that one of those, like, Satan-worshipping, like, dice-rolling games? Um, it's just so strange to me that it's grown to such a point that not only do you have splintering communities, but you have mainstream dramas popping up. Like, this was on people's feeds the same way Kim Kardashian and Kanye West splitting up was. And that's right. the, that's the thing that I think is so strange. And uh, like you said, Lissa, no matter what fandom, you're going to get this stuff. Is it weird seeing something that you purely see as enjoyment? And other people have these experiences, but we're not sports people, right? That our hobby is now getting to the point um, that we're having these mainstream uh, infighting. I think, I think it's safe to say infighting. I don't think that that's unfair to say. Uh... Yes and no, because I, usually the fandoms and, like, the hobbies that I've had as, like, a kid growing up when mm -hmm. the internet was growing up, I, you mean, I've seen this stuff before, not necessarily with a game. I just got into, like, video games, like, when I graduated college and I really got into D&D &D during my master's and, like, I, I'm, I'm still, I knew it existed, but I'm, in the community, I'm still fairly new. But I'm not new to internet discussions about hobbies and fandoms mm -hmm. and 
like, I mean, obviously I have a long sordid history with <laughs> Harry Potter and I used to be on MuggleNet a lot, which is an old Harry Potter news site. And my God, the theories and the infighting and like <laughs> the different kinds of this is before twitter mm-hmm. like there were there have been message message boards, boards right <laughs> dedicated to people fighting about like their theories and this is what they think is going to happen and then this didn't happen and it it is i think just a product of the scale of the fact that the hobby has grown and also the fact that social media exists and now it's mainstream to like twitter is basically just message boards 2.0 right yeah you you say your opinions and then people can respond to it and there are communities within it and there are different subsects within twitter it's not as organized i would say it's more of a clusterfuck but um (laughs) the, the idea is still there so like these things aren't necessarily new to me but it is so I, I can kind of weed through it and remove myself, I think, a little bit more from it because I've seen it before. But it's still disheartening to see all these people fighting over, like, a hobby, you know? But also comes, at the same... It yeah, comes with ahead. territory because it comes with the passion that you have for the thing that you love. And it comes with the opinions that you have for the thing that you love. And when you have a passion for a thing that you love and you have opinions about it, you want to share them, you want to find people who have similar opinions, which is what, you know, social media is great for. But you're also going to find the people who distinctly do not share your opinion. And that's where the issue comes in with the internet because you have all of these people on the same area, all following this one beautiful hobby, all sharing their opinions and then you have this clusterfuck of opinions that becomes quote unquote Twitter drama and mm-hmm. because consumption and media is uh very interested in all kinds of internet drama because you know it's clickbait and all that it's just interesting to read about so then you have like this spread mass spread of not only is it all in your twitter feed but you have news sources well i'm not like credible news sources like i wouldn't imagine the bbc or cnn doing a thing about critical role in fighting but you know these other news sites yeah there's news outlets that are covering yeah yeah, would do news pieces on said infighting, you know, pros, cons, looking at different viewpoints. So I think it's just, I think it's more of a statement on media. Yeah. Well, it's it's a statement on fandoms and it's a statement on people who love their hobby on social media, but it's also how the media feeds off of people infighting and then how people feed off of the media feeding off of the infighting so it's just like a constant loop yeah it's that vicious circle of it all and i think a lot of it comes from it's similar like when you get into those uh niche musical genre um communities like like punk rock right everyone loves their favorite indie punk rock group until they get big 
and they get mad yeah. because it shifts, right? Because it's servicing a larger audience, and you see that a lot yeah. with with Critical Role, right? I I hate to keep using them as an example because they're not the only ones like you mentioned, Shar, that are experiencing this drama. But I think it's a really good um, relation to what I'm saying. Case, they're a good case study. They like, they really are. We're right? looking at them as a case study. Yeah, because so they were the, they were a smaller group, and as a smaller group, similar to like how we start out, like right now with us, we are the ones that talk to you when you message somebody on Twitter at Slovenly Trolls at Right in the Fields at Can't Be Kill Creations. Someone's from our very small team are the people that are talking to you. We don't hire other people to do that kind of thing. We're the ones. Mm-hmm. And when we have an issue or something we want to talk about, we're the voice behind it. And Critical Role was similar. When we think about their very first big drama, which was uh, basically removing a player from their group that everyone had known and had their own fans. Um, mm-hmm. They were the ones delivering that message, and it was pretty straightforward. It was pretty honest, and everyone knew the facts around what happened. Maybe not all of them, but most of them, and you can kind of agree to these events. And as they grow, they're now a corporation. They're a company, and they're they're bigger, and they have a larger audience, and they don't always deal with those issues the same way it's not matt mercer coming out to explain what happened it's somebody else from the company and then you get the other people from the other side of it saying hey i don't want to deal with this corporation anymore it's no longer it, it was this issue between these two people i like that play D. now it's this it's a corporate issue it's about this employee and this company and because of that, you don't get the same kind of facts. You don't get Matt Mercer saying this is exactly what happened and how we're going to address it. You get um, a blanket statement from one person being vague and then a corporate statement. And sometimes you don't get anything. You get one person's offhanded anecdotal evidence. And mm-hmm. that causes this inflaming thing because you're used to getting the full story. And now you don't. And I think that's part of those growing pains is people don't know how to change with that community, right? It's like when your favorite artist puts out an album that isn't the same genre anymore. And you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't like this. It's like Linkin Park used to be metal and now they put out this weird experimental thing and it's going to be on the soundtrack for uh, for Transformers. I don't know what, what, what I'm doing here anymore. And they have to they have to grow and. Critical Role can't put out the same kind of statement because that's what gets corporations in in trouble, right? Um, So I I just, I see see that stuff and it's disheartening as somebody who wants that that level of engagement, but it's also impossible, right? Like you can't do that. It is, it's huge. And like, we're also seeing, you know, you hear all this talk all the time about parasocial relationships and social media as well. Exactly. And I think that's a part of it. There's a this is a very complicated issue. But, so we're talking about a lot of different facets. But I think parasocial relationships should also be touched on because when you know somebody through the internet and you have conversations with them, especially in, on things like Twitter, where you know that they run their own Twitter accounts. And yeah, they, they like, saw like, that post, message. They replied to you. They saw exactly, and like you, you get that closeness, and it's it's like a feigned closeness because you don't know these people, and they don't in know real you. Life most likely, they don't know you. But, you know, from the very beginning, I think, because I followed Critical Role since basically the beginning, they've had such a great relationship with their fans. And now that relationship is becoming more distant, I feel like a lot of fans are lashing out because they are used to this very close parasocial relationship. But now that they really can't manage the amount of fans that they have. And I say manage, not like, you know, they're not managing you, but they they can't respond to all of you all the time. They can't do Christmas anymore, which used to open (laughs) presents from like that people used to send to the studio they used to like like 
give people a spotlight like hey this person made this thing for us and now it's on our set like they can't they just can't manage it anymore and you I mean, it sucks, but it's just – it's part of the growing pains of becoming a bigger corporation. And you see and... these people who are really mad about the fact that there's dramas around it. Like, this entity mm-hmm. isn't perfect because it's an entity now. It's not those four people or, you know, 12 people playing D&D anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's a company. And companies make mistakes. And companies have disagreements with their employees. Um, and the fact that people are surprised, I'm not defending any, any sort of thing. Cause again, a lot of that's anecdotal. I don't know the full story, but right. that's what happens with companies. Right. And when people are so surprised and they're hurt by it because they had that parasocial relationship, mm-hmm. that's the part that you're going to start to see more and more. And not just from critical role. Like you mentioned, there's other companies like, uh, dimension 20 is a really good example, right? That offshoot of dropout TV, which used to be college humor. They, I don't know of any dramas around them yet, right? But there will inevitably be something that comes out of somewhere mm-hmm. that people don't all agree with. And how do you approach that? Because you feel like you know these people. You watch them and listen to them play a game for five, six hours a week. You have a connection to them, or so you think. And when you learn that it's still a corporate entity that's making corporate decisions, uh, it's hard to hold someone responsible because there isn't one person responsible. It's a company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, I hate to even bring it up because it feels like such a taboo topic that's still being dissected. But there's also an aspect of (laughs) cancel culture where, you know, people are still trying to figure out what cancel culture means and if it works and people hopping on a bandwagon and not knowing everything or people rightfully holding people accountable. There's that gray area there that's come about because of social media. So you also have that in the mix of this giant pot of nightmares. (laughs) Especially when you don't, again, like we don't get those same facts, right? Like it's really easy to take sides when you know everything that happened. Um, again, like, like uh, talk about that, that first drama that we mentioned, right. Um, with them losing a player or player being removed, it was pretty cut and dry. Um, again, but that's my opinion. Um, but at least Mm -hmm. we, we knew more of what happened. It's hard to take a side and say, okay, I'm canceling this person or this company Mm -hmm. or, or take the, uh, like, I'm not buying that product anymore when you don't know what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's the harder part. Cause then you get into the infighting and then people, uh, it's all anecdotal evidence, right? And sometimes you get into the grapevine and the just proliferation of, well, I'm pretty sure, and rumors. And if it's not confirmed, and what does being confirmed mean? And it's just, it's it's hard. Like like you mentioned, Lissa, you know, it's a game, right? It's about fun. Yeah. But it's a game that's played by a shit ton of people that's run yeah. by tons of companies and different entities and then you get into media conglomerates that aren't they don't make the game but they play the game and we watch them play mm. the game it, it's a it's a difficult thing to manage and i know it sounds like we're just doing a lot of corporate speak because i think it's hard to say well we take this stance um i just don't yeah. know i just wanted to i just wanted to say that i wanted to hear that i'm not the only one that's like fuck what do i do with this <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, once you design a game, right, you you make something or you design something for the sake of entertainment. I'm taking, like, Critical Rule or the TTRPGs. Once you make that thing, it's mostly out of your hands with how people will react to it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really difficult to then navigate once if it grows into like a bigger thing 
say you get more people reacting to it they have different opinions and then like maneuvering within sort of the business world to you can't please everyone right that's people have different opinions people have different needs they have different wants they come from different backgrounds and you can't you just cannot please everyone there's somebody who is always going to hate what you're doing at every point in time and the bigger you get there's the more people are going to hate what you do and the bigger the drama is going to be just essentially but you it's very difficult to navigate from how you started off what you created as something small something for you something that made you have fun to something that oh suddenly we're making this content for other people because there's other people involved they're involved with the characters they think that we should do this instead they want this and suddenly it's it's a whole lot more complicated than just you know people sitting around a table playing board games and i, I guess because the next it, question would be like how do you approach that change in parasocial dynamic right like char yeah. you, you know you were a big fan of them when uh again back to critical role like you know they were just people playing a game and we happen to be watching and now they are a corporation that's putting out different products and making good and bad decisions behind the scenes and things that you don't know about. Because you used to, you know, you'd be pretty bereft of the situation because you knew everything that was happening. Now you're like, well, I don't know. Did they put out a podcast about this? Did someone make a statement? Who are these people that were working for them? How do you adjust um, your your dynamic? How do you adjust being a fan of a thing as it gets to this level? I think... I'm going through the same amount of adjustment period as anybody who's been a fan of this show for forever since like 2015, 2016, when they first started putting out content. I think we've never seen anything like Critical Role before. We've never seen, we've seen like YouTubers maybe is the best comparison of like an online personality who has who built everything off of parasocial relationships and really making great content. And then they um, evolved into a company or yeah, they have a brand a brand. Yeah. A mm. brand. They make themselves a brand and some have made that transition very well. I think of um, there's a YouTuber named Rosanna Pansino. She like got really famous for uh, nerdy Nami's, which is a YouTube show where she just bakes cakes and, um, just food based on nerdy things and it's adorable and mm -hmm. then she made that into a whole cooking brand she has a show on HBO Max now she has her own line of cooking products and she is relatively unproblematic she's done a really good transition of that so we see that with maybe YouTube space but with a whole team of people and like playing a game and like it's in the it's it's also in the nerdy nerd community and then there but there are so many people involved and i would argue the fandom's probably even bigger and it's all around this one game that isn't even their game D, &D right. is not their game <laughs> so there's that whole other dimension of people um it is their game of D, D, but they don't own wizards of the coast owns dungeons and dragons so they their entire success is yeah based off of how people engaged with how they were playing the game. They really liked how Matt Mercer DM'd or they really liked the player interactions or whatever 
Uh, and it started as a Pathfinder game it. too, so it's not even just D and D, right? So yeah, it started as Pathfinder, and they moved it to fifth edition when they started the the show on Geek and Sundry because the um, I think the reason they gave at the time was combat was a lot quicker better, more digestible. Yeah, make it more digestible. If people were actually watching. So we we've never really seen anything like Critical Role, like a group of people who were who did have careers also they have they're very good voice actors like a lot of them are award-winning very talented voice actors who had this built-in audience brought that audience to a stream that stream was at another company they left that company everything's based up it's like all of these different ingredients we've maybe seen before but not in this space before so the community definitely feels different it feels bigger it feels more opinionated um and they definitely feel more distant as a group but i'm not necessarily seeing that as a good or bad thing yet um because i think they are very aware of the fact at least in my interpretation of the parasocial relationship that i probably have they seem like they are very aware that they only have the success they have because of the audience that they have so I'm not really looking at it as, yeah, corporations do make mistakes. I'm trying to be basically as distant as I possibly can and observing from afar. But I'm more like just kind of fascinated as what's going to happen next. Not like morbidly curious, but like, I don't know, just I'm interested to know how far they're going to, like how successful they're going to be if there's going to be a plot. I know I have a more scientific approach with it, I guess. Right. You, you manage your expectations for it, right? Like I do. You, for that parasocial relationship. And you're, you're also a little bit more aware of that dynamic, probably with your experience with the, with the Harry Potter fandom, right? Like 100%. I think a lot of people from our generation seen like having to have that big conversation with something you love so much about like separating the art from the artist but then also yeah. going with the creator created has more problems than I was aware of because I was a child, right? When you think about a lot yeah. of the more racist and just offensive aspects of Harry Potter, which doesn't don't sure. dawn on you because you're like, oh, the, the, you're a kid. Yeah, there's a goblin that works yeah. at a bank. Why is that an issue? And then you learn. You're like, exactly. oh, yeah, that is an issue. Oh, that is an issue. Yeah, yeah that's fucked mm-hmm. up, right, when you think about it. And so it's just about those growing pains, again, to bring it full circle – uh <laughs> just managing the expectations i i still think like similar to when we have the harry potter conversation you got to do what makes you feel good about imbibing that art if you feel like they make a bad decision don't watch their content don't buy their product right it's a pretty yeah. simple cut and dry uh thing i i don't think there's any one example where like oh you shouldn't be buying this 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 product right like it it's going to be different for everybody um how do you how do you manage it when you do decide you're like okay i don't like this decision that this corporation made again we we talk about jk rowling i think is a good example here like how do you then manage it and go well i love this product i love this thing but i can't support the people behind it anymore so for the people who are a little bit more negative in these dramas how do you how do you help them justify that what do what do you recommend for, for trying to balance it Oh my god! I think I I don't know if Lisa has an opinion on this. I don't mean but... to put in such a big question. I I have stuff to say too, but I I, I do yeah. like to throw it back to you. Um, Lisa, no, what about is, you? No, it's a, sorry. Go ahead. It's a good question. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa can start. Lisa can start. I feel like I talked for a bit about critical role. Let's give her the floor. <laughs> Go ahead, Lisa, <laughs> with your big opinions. Uh, the question was, how do you 
react when something's bad in your yeah. fandom? Yeah. So, so uh, I use J.K. Rowling as an example, but when you do decide, right. no matter what corporation, entity, whatever, when you're a fan of a thing and you do decide, I can't support this anymore. What's a what's a good way to go about it? Because you see people on the negative side of aspects of dramas with Critical Role, with D and D, J.K. Rowling, any of these things where you're, like you're you're a huge fan, but you do need to distance yourself now. So you well, you are on the less positive side. Well, I mean, I have two things that I can point out from, I think, specifically my life. Um, depending on sort of what said thing is. So, I guess me as a child, um, I didn't like what a company was doing, aka I did not like what EA was doing with The Sims 4 when they released The Sims 4 uh, base pack after having played religiously sims 1 having all of the expansion packs and the content sims mm -hmm. 2 having all of the expansion packs and the content <laughs> and sims 3 having all the expansion packs and all the content i wonder if she likes and sims then yeah so i don't know actually <laughs> <laughs> and then coming to sims 4 where the base game was so stripped down that you didn't even get pools with ladders <laughs> and it it was just like or toddlers or toddlers. It was just mind-blowingly bad business that I I can't remember. When did Sims 4 come out? 20? It was when we were in, like, college, like, undergrad. So, yeah. Like, 26, no. 2016? 2015? Something like that. So, I quit. I did not buy Sims and I boycotted The Sims 4 specifically until I got bored during the pandemic. So last year. <laughs> and then downloaded Sims 4 and all the packs and began buying all the packs that gave me the content that I was missing. So I would say from my personal opinion or personal experience with kind of media and having issues with media boycotting is an option um and then with D, D specifically i think having discussions about D D and the problematic things that we do or the, the discussions that we have on the slovenly trolls i mm -hmm. think that is my method of dealing with problematic aspects of D D and how the history of D D is you know what it is yeah so it's education by service right so education so i think there's different methods of dealing with it and i think different people have different methods of dealing with it some people go on twitter on rants some people go on twitter and block everyone who has a different opinion you know everything <laughs> is valid um you can boycott the product you can i would not recommend hate speech um against people but uh you know like you do what you gotta do. Yeah, and, and whatever makes you nobody, more comfortable, and, right? Yeah, as yeah. So within the conf confines of law, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> law, reason, don't murder and, anybody. Uh, yeah, law, reason, and moral judgment. I would say, but yeah, be careful about moral judgment because uh, I know some people uh, who think that they're very moral. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I uh, agree with you there. Go ahead. It's, it's difficult to an answer that question because it depends on the thing. It depends on your yeah. relationship with the thing. It depends on how you think you can best impact said thing. Is that by 
stating your opinion? Is that by boycotting? Is that by um, publicly going out um, in, you know, Senate Square? Yep, and, yep, and shouting with your megaphone? And being like, yeah, shouting with your megaphone and or, you know, like tying yourself to a tree because <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an true. out here Alyssa no. because, uh, <laughs> unless you have more to say go ahead I'm sorry no 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 no. that was pretty much my point okay like, it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly for what sure you do for sure yeah there's no yeah. one right answer I was just curious how you approached it and partly because you know yeah. me and Char talked for most of the episode um uh, <laughs> but, but I, I'm in a similar camp I um I would say like a good example. So comic skate, if you're a comic book reader, uh, a few years ago, you had a lot of people come out with some really bad opinions, uh, a lot of gatekeeping, a lot of sexual harassment and a lot of just like hateful speech about, you know, people who weren't white and straight and, uh, content that's being made for them. And a lot of that, that like they targeted different communities of people that were trying to make comics and enjoy comics and trying to get them out of it because they felt like it was theirs. And there was one company in particular um, with an owner who supported comics gate heavily. It was dynamite entertainment. Uh, the, I, I got the name here is Nick, uh, Nick, uh, Barucci, I think was his name. I think that's how you pronounce it. It doesn't really matter. He's kind of a piece of crap. And he was kind of like really for the comics gate, like supporting it. You know, think about like a lot of like alt writers who are like, oh yeah, like the white men are dying and we need to support them, that kind of stuff. But with the comics tinge to it. And me, along with a lot of creators at the company, were like, I don't believe in that. I'm just not going to support that. So I vote with my wallet a lot. I'm, I don't buy any of those comics, even though I was reading and enjoying some comics from that company. I was just like, I'm done. And so I vote with my wallet a lot, partly because I'm a white dude with a podcast. People already hear enough from me, right? Like I, my opinion, I feel like isn't as necessary uh, in a lot of conversations. So I don't go out to the square and yell it. And I don't say it a lot on Twitter unless I feel like people need to hear from someone like me saying that they're supported. Right. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a person to go out and, and yell it kind of thing. So I vote with my wallet a lot. If I don't feel comfortable buying a thing, cause I don't want to support the people behind it, which is usually what it is. Usually a product doesn't offend me the same way as the people behind it and their decisions. Um, that's, that's when I do it. And sometimes it's, a, it's unavoidable, right? It's difficult to live day to day without something like Amazon for a lot of different companies. I don't like Jeff Bezos. I sadly still shop from Amazon, right? Like, it's just mm -hmm. a thing that's become part of my life that's difficult to distance myself from. Um, mm. But I could easily stop buying comics from a comic company that I disagree with the management. Um, and yeah. that sucks for some of the creators behind those that weren't involved with Comicsgate. Um, but a lot of them have gone on to other companies and I can support them there. So that's, that's my recommendation, right? Is support the people that you do agree with and your ideals match up and help them. If you, if you don't like a thing that the company's doing, but you like some of the people behind it, help them out. If they also agree with you, if they're trying to ditch out, if you're watching a stream of D and D players and someone there is doing a good thing, but you don't like the, the entire panel still help support that other person that doesn't mean buying the product of the thing that you don't like like uh i've had the same problem with harry potter and the new video game that's coming out right like i'm yeah same. i love the people that are making it right avalanche studios and all the people over at wb um and that game looks awesome but i'm not gonna buy it and that sucks for the people that put their heart and soul into making that game um but i'm gonna try to buy their other products instead i'm gonna try to support them that way and buy whatever a lot of that talent 
talent if they move on to a different team and help them over there. But I, cause I can't just, I, I don't feel comfortable giving more money to a thing that's going to give more money to JK Rowling. Cause I don't like her stances on most things and specifically her opinions on trans people. So I, that, so it's just, I, I don't feel comfortable giving my money to something like that. And there's no right way, right? Like that means the people that are making that game will suffer. And I'm part of that, but I'm not responsible for that. I feel, and I can't buy something that makes me uncomfortable with the people that are at the top. So it's, it's a give and take, but no one's going to have the perfect right reason. And if you do feel more comfortable shouting from the square, more power to you. (laughs) I just feel like a lot of people that look like me already shouted from the square a lot. (laughs) I think it's our turn to sit down on a lot of things. I, yeah, I think because of the way the social media and the internet and society is, you feel a lot more pressure, I think, rightly so, to give money to people and spend your money and spend your time on things that are that align with your morals, mm-hmm. right? And align with what you believe is right and you can withhold what you want from that because we're in a capitalist society too so i love how a lot of our reasons is just like i'm not going to give you money and I mean, but it is it is like that right it. yeah and like you know don't hate the player hit the game it's it's stupid but <laughs> like capitalism is stupid but i mean sometimes that's the only power that we have and you know, it's it's really difficult, and I don't think anybody should also in retro. If if you're still, I'm still figuring out what I want to do for a lot of the supporters. A lot of the support I want to give to people or not give to people. And you're not a bad person for as, buying the game if you do. <laughs> Just FYI. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think I've been seeing because I'm glad you brought up that point because I've been seeing even more discourse on Twitter recently of people from who are allies, who are trans, or who just want to chip into the conversation, basically saying, you're a terrible, awful human being if you buy this one video game. And I'm like, okay, I understand what you're saying in that, yeah, their money's probably going into J.K. Rowling's pocket, but it's such a more complicated issue Yeah, to be fair, the money's already there. She gets a licensing fee. She's going to get paid whether or not she buy that Exactly, she's already getting money anyway. And I'm not saying, like... Yeah, it's probably an iffy decision if you choose to buy it. But, like, don't completely, like, write somebody off because they bought a video game that they've been looking forward to for a really long time right? as well. Like, it's it, – it, there's so much nuance to this conversation. And I think because we're getting smarter as consumers, it's really good that we're having these open discussions. Yeah, the fact that we just, know not to – that there's a possibility of exactly. maybe we don't buy that game because of that person did. That's not something I would have ever heard of. Exactly. We're becoming smarter. We're becoming, we're holding people more accountable. We're holding ourselves more accountable. And it's, it's, it goes along with the growing pains theme of this episode. It's just like, we're growing as consumers. The market is growing in result of us growing along with it. And as long as you take the time to educate yourself and do whatever feels right for you, your morality and what you think and your ethics is right. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. You can, it's fine. Everybody makes, Hannah Montana once said, you know, our Lord and Savior, everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> everybody has those days. Everybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking Hannah about. Montana quote. <laughs> Absolutely. Our, I just, our Lord and Savior, Hannah Montana. <laughs> you get the best of like, both worlds when you listen to this ex- podcast. <laughs> you really do. And 
you know, like everybody fucks up. It's fine. Just learn from it. And just if you dedicate yourself to being a better person, you're already doing a hell of a better job than a lot of other people. So don't yeah. like put pressure, a little bit of pressure on yourself, but don't put too much pressure because then you'll buckle. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's still it's entertainment, really right? If you let it ruin your exactly. life, like that's going to be <laughs> pretty bad as well. Um, right. Does anyone have anything else to say before we move on to our final BS um, and move on to a lighter topic before we close out the show? <laughs> I think I'm good. I got, I got off my soapbox. I'm pretty good too. Okay. Um, I always am on uh, my soapbox, but it's just because I'm short. It's kind of it's like a like an apple crate mm. type situation with Tom Cruise. Um, I'm just I'm five seven, mm. so in order to feel like I can speak with you two, I do. I already sit on the crate. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, dad jokes aside, let's talk about the BS and what we've been doing. Char, what's new with you? Playing any games? Watching any shows? Any RPGs? I- well, I started playing Curse of Strahd last weekend. Yeah. And it's been pretty good so far. We haven't run into Strahd yet. Um, shocking, literally everybody. I chose to play somebody with no charisma again. <laughs> um, because I needed to put all my points in intelligence. And I rolled really, really crappy on stats. So I have one good stat and the rest are awful. Um, <laughs> is it intelligence? And that's some fun. It is intelligence. Okay. So I have like an 18 intelligence. I was waiting to be like, and, I needed a really good intelligence, and I have a four. Yeah. <laughs> I have an 18 intelligence, and then all my other scores are average, and I have a negative strength. Because okay. it's been a while since I've played a negative noodle arm strength. <laughs> and that's been super fun. Um, we played for a couple hours, and yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the, the goth atmosphere. I think it's super cool. We haven't delved into the tarot yet but I'm i was gonna, i was that was gonna be my question up. was which version are you playing so you're playing the one with the tarot so that's uh the fifth revamped. edition one right yeah yeah, yeah oh, the we're, playing revamped version? we're playing the revamped mm-hmm. dope dope do you get the one did with you the buy coffin the cool... case yep yeah that's mm-hmm. that's the I one i am not dming it's my friend so oh, okay. um yeah i uh it, it it's pretty good so far i do i do be liking it yeah <laughs> we're probably playing like we're probably going to be playing like once a month, so I won't have like that many updates regarding that. It'll be very sporadic, but and it's going to take you six years to finish it at that rate, anyways. So probably, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, it'll be fine. We'll kill Strahd when we're all in our thirties. You might not. You might not. You don't have to kill Strahd. That's not really the point of the game either. So you might just sleep with Strahd, as people are wont to do with, very often. With my really crap charisma. Listen, just because you can't seduce Strahd doesn't mean. S- Strahd can't seduce you, right? Like <laughs> That's true. I mean, <laughs> true. I mean, broody men is right up her alley. Exactly, um, exactly. Like, if, listen, he, vampire daddy has, might still might still he, show he his bat wings. Ears, hello. Like, you don't even have to have a conversation. It's just one it's like love at first sight and just fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> listen you're right um uh, <laughs> rudy elf I, this is why that, I said that. I know i'm right <laughs> oh man so listen what about you what are you playing and or watching and or doing um i am playing and watching the same things as i have been playing and watching so um, sims 4 am... tell us about your family <laughs> Uh, I actually recently just started playing Sims 4 again because I've been off Sims <laughs> Hell <before>. yeah! <laughs> uh, 
I feel like I I'm starting am... to know you more. Is that okay? <laughs> I think I'm starting to get it. I am playing Divinity Original Sin, the first game, um, with Charday. We are still mean? playing that. Um, what am I else am I playing? Oh, I am watching. I started watching Avatar: The Last Airbender for the first time in my life. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, last time we talked, you were still pretty early in. Like you had only seen the first. I'm episodes, still very but... early in. I have. I started watching Power Rangers instead because I'm simultaneously so awesome. watching Power Rangers and cringing <laughs> at how cringe that is it's so cringe and but so awesome it's so cringe and i i have issues with it like but i still want to oh. watch it because of nostalgia yep reason. that's 100 how it goes and you know what that never goes away i've watched every single season of power Rangers, <sighs> and i've rewatched a lot of them with my son and uh yeah it's, it doesn't really change very much um the Red Rangers aren't always white dudes, which is nice. That changed uh, probably about a decade ago, uh, but mm -hmm. but still, um, <laughs> there, there's still a lot of things like that. Uh, I'm playing actually. I'm playing a Power Rangers one shot on Saturday. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so I've been kind of boning up on my Power Ranger stuff. I've, I've, I've talked about the Hasbro game before. Um, mm. this, I'm running a hack that's going to be Common Rider. So just more Tokusatsu fun. A lot of superheroes and helmets uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. So if you ever want to talk about Power Rangers, maybe over on Right in the Fields, we could definitely make that mm -hmm. happen. Yes. Do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have that going on. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Uh, I've been rereading Stephen King, like the entire, um, I, what's a discography for someone's, uh, uh, book series. Bookography. Uh, yeah. I've been I reading his entire bookography. Basically. Series? Se yeah, well, but they're not all series. They're not all connected. Back I guess they are though, because Dark Tower. Um, mm. but I love Stephen King. I've read all, mo I wouldn't say all, most of their stuff already. And I'm rereading a lot of the anthologies first, uh, because a lot of those are disjointed and don't have serious connections. Um, uh, right now I'm reading the seasons and I just finished at pupil, uh, which is a really awesome story about this kid who blackmails, uh, a Nazi soldier or SS soldier that he finds out, um, and makes him tell him all sorts of the gushy details, of what happened because the kid is also pretty fucked up and it's a very very interesting story I highly recommend most things stephen king has written they're not all like the best but i love stephen king stuff and on the rpg side um i brought my recommendation for me i didn't play it recently but i've played it several times and it's called reflections a game of dueling samurai either one of you heard of this no so, uh, have either one of you ever played a one-on-one D&D game? No, no, but I have, I, I've heard, I've heard such tales. <laughs> so one-on-one D&D <laughs> games are often also one-sheet D&D games, which are like not a lot of rules involved. You can put it all down on one sheet, um, and know how to play the game. Reflections is one of those. And the idea, it doesn't always have to be samurai dueling, but usually something that can end in a one-on-one -on -one fight. So Jedi is a pretty common hack, uh, cowboys having a duel, you know, at high noon, samurai very often, but something that can end in a one-on-one -on -one fight and you go through three different acts. It's how you met and became friends, uh, what the turmoil was halfway through that story, and then the final act that ends with the duel. And each segment, you, you open a scene, and 
uh, you pick uh, essentially goals for that scene, and you don't tell your your opponent what your goals are, and it's an improv game. So I say like I I want to make them draw their sword against me, and I get and if I make them do that during the scene through our improv and going back and forth, I get a d6 for that final duel, and you roll them all in that final duel, and whoever rolls higher. Uh, wins the the duel essentially, but it's just a kind of a cooperative slash versus storytelling improv game. Um, it's a lot of fun and great for like around a campfire type thing where you don't have your character sheets and all of your dice, and you just have you know your friends and you want to tell a story while passing back and forth a bottle. That's how I often play Reflections. <laughs> it's how I often play a lot of things, but uh, we don't need to get into my uh, life choices right now. <laughs> but i highly recommend reflections you can buy it on drive through rpg um third act publishing is the name of the publishing company they have a few other one sheet rpgs as well but reflections a game of dueling samurai highly recommend uh char where can the people find you i run the slovenly trolls twitter at slovenly trolls you can find me there <laughs> that's it <laughs> Lisa, what about you from the Slovenly Trolls Instagram. Uh, same spelling on Instagram. You can <laughs> and, find me there. And uh, you can I, find both of you on the Slovenly Trolls podcast. That's <laughs> yes, also, also on the podcast. Keep forgetting to mention I the do podcast. have a Twitter, I guess. Okay, cool. Me too. Uh, yeah. I mostly interact with the Slovenly Trolls. That's completely fine. Twitter account. <laughs> You two are such goobers. I love this show. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Resident Stevel on everything. You can also find me running the Campy Kill Productions uh, stuff, Campy Kill Creations, basically everywhere. Really, you can find me at RITF underscore pod, which is the Right in the Feels uh, podcast Twitter account. That's usually where I am, and I'm also on the Right in the Feels podcast. See how easy that transition is, you two? Um, if you like nostalgia, nerdy things, old media, and reboots, remasters, that kind of thing we talk about all sorts of stuff over on right in the fields and if you like all of our content in general head on over to campykillcreations.com and you can like and subscribe to all these podcasts and see all the other things we're doing and if you really want to support us head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations keeps the lights on keeps the mics going drop us a buck or two we really appreciate it and if you're hearing this now uh probably check out our twitch channel and i'll plug all of that in here now for future Terry, um, as I set up all of the <laughs> Gmail and, and stuff like that, as well as the Twitch account, which is happening today. Uh, I, that's all I think we have for plugs. I think that's it. I think you nailed it. Um, also, I'll give you my address. You can just send me things, uh, fan mail, hate yeah. letters, whatever you want to do. Um, hate mail. Yeah. Anthrax. Dead cats. Yeah, we should get a P.O. box so people can send us all their dead cats. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> this has been the Cave Trolls, and we're out. Oh, that was an emotionally taxing episode. Now comes that special time of the show where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell. You keep the lights on, the mics going, and really you just give us the energy and the funds to keep doing this every single day. So I just want to say again, thank you, Chantrell, for everything you do and all of your support. And if you want to become a Patreon producer like Chantrell, you can head on over to patreon.com slash creations and join at the Patreon producer level. That's the $10 level or above. And you can get shout outs like Chantrell. But no one else did. So 
so there can be only one. You are the Highlander. Chantrell, thank you.